0: You're kind of closed mouth, aren't you? I'm
1: Just, you know, my life isn't that interesting. I go to work, I come home. don't know
2: what to say. should read my journal. First. I mean,
1: it's
0: just
2: blank. Really? Does that make you sad or anxious? I mean... I'm always anxious thinking I'm not living my life to the fullest, you know?
1: Taking advantage of every possibility and making sure I'm not wasting one second of the little time I have. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Truth to Power podcast. I am Curious G. How does one speak truth to power? On this podcast, we do it through our art, through our music, and the poetry of our language, or by the comedy that we find in the darkness of days. This art may offend for we are imperfectly human and uncensored. We hope the themes that we choose will enlighten as well as entertain. On the Truth To Power podcast, we wish to build enthusiasm for being connected. Hope you enjoy the show. We're in all the way, man. You ready for this yet? Let's kick the tires and light the fires. Truth Power podcast, this is Curious G. I got my man, Dirty B in the house. What's up, Dirty B?
2: Oh, you're just getting used to the nickname, my dude. How are you doing today?
1: <laughs> you know, it kind of rhymes, though. It, I think it works. I think it works.
2: If you think it works, let's work it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So I've, I've been thinking about this. Um, we're in that song, Touch, right? And last time we kind of talked about touch deprivation in the world of relationships. But I started to think about reality. You know, reality. Like seeing is believing what you can touch is real and all of that. And I, I had this realization today that that most of the way that we frame reality comes through our phones or our screens, and it isn't a reality that we can touch. So what is real?
2: What is real? The only thing that I could say is real right now to, to any sense of honesty would be there are two middle-aged men with microphones in front of each other uh, talking about life that hopefully people want to listen to. And at the end of the day, who even knows if this is real? I'm just here for the experience and uh, i get an hour to hang out with a friend of mine and put down that electronic leash. So we'll just go from there.
1: <laughs> that that cell phone?
2: That cell phone.
1: So, you know, as, as somebody that, Loves movies, loves the illusion of film, loves the illusion of television and all that. They're in the illusion business, right? Films. Um, I find it very interesting what the, where the word illusion comes from. It is a, a Latin word, right? That means actually to mock. Hmm. So it, it kind of makes a mockery out of reality in a sense. Um, it has its roots in the 14th century, it was an Anglo-French word um, that meant an act of deception. Um, and if you think about it, our our brains, not our eyes, is the final arbiter of truth. Um, today, we see a lot of things through our cell phones, but this is not a world that we can reach out and touch anymore, where for most of human history, reality was just like in front of them. They could reach out and touch it.
2: Yeah, and I think the first... Uh... First time that we strayed away from that, I wouldn't say strayed, but uh, the first stories and the first any kind of entertainment was people passing down stories to one another. And at that point, people could draw their own reality by envisioning these stories being real life or using their imagination to see it. How much different is that than what we got today? Because, correct me if I'm wrong which I probably am, but something about the way that we take in what we see, our brain automatically flips it, or something like that. Yeah, it's right.
1: Like We're telling ourselves a story about reality, right? What is real?
2: How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply... Electrical signals interpreted by your brain.
1: Like the ego is always shaping things to, to tell us a story about who we are in the world. So if me and you have an experience, uh, quite often when we start talking about that experience, a lot of times people remember different details of that experience. You know, sometimes completely different narratives.
2: Yeah, you know? I mean, nobody wants to tell the story about... The the wonderful Saturday they had last night where they came in five seconds, cried, and then the they got an Uber that their card declined for for their girl. They're going to say <laughs> that they knocked it out of the park and, you know, they're blowing up their phone.
1: Two minutes of tough love, huh? Two minutes? <laughs> Man. So we were kind of, me and you were talking about something. Remember that conversation we had about the War of the Worlds? Yeah, yeah. Okay, can you kind of, uh, tell me what you
2: remember about The War of the Worlds. Mm. The original. The original, that was a good year. I believe I was in my 20s back when that came out.
1: No, no, uh, no, not the film, dude. The uh, the original radio ad- adaptation of H.G. Wells' novel, The War of the Worlds. That joke went over your head. It did, I, I fucking <laughs> missed it.
2: I didn't throw it well either. Anyway, yeah, the uh, H.G. Wells uh, radio drama that came out back in the day that absolutely sent the populace into a complete tailspin thinking that there was an actual alien invasion going on because the way the audio drama went made it sound like, I believe, it was a live broadcast telecast, like a started out like a news reporter and then... All hell broke loose and they were sitting there with their tin cans and wiggling saws to make laser noises. and
1: dude, people were packing their shit up.
2: Yeah, oh, they, they I thought was... the Martians were here. What <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> were they?
1: People were panicking. And you know the, the intensity that the world responded to that radio show um, gave uh, Orson Wells the ability to make a film.
2: And I also believe shaped uh, the way that any kind of syndicated broadcast ended up being portrayed to the populace because, you know, put on your tinfoil hats, boys and girls. But I believe the powers that be took that and realized just how much power you can get when you distort reality and bend it to your will. Art imitates life and sometimes life imitates art. Well, what's crazy is he he
1: gets the chance to make the the his first film, right? Citizen Kane, and what you just said was kind of the the subject of of the film in a lot of ways. Um, he focused on this man that uh, rose to power, fame, fortune, uh, became a political person in the world, all through media, right? It was through his ability to manipulate and control propaganda at that time. But um, the illusion of the film, right, this this character um, was a lot of based in reality as as far as a character goes. Do you remember who that character was in, in real life? Or do you know who that was in real life? I don't, and I don't. Okay, so it was based on this dude named William Hurst, um, Randolph William Hurst. He was one of the largest uh, newspaper... Men in the country, um, and you know people. People say that it was the the first time that we actually went to war in the United States based on bullshit, <laughs> huh? I mean,
2: that's never happened before.
1: So ever again, in in Citizen Kane, he even he even gives the direct quote that was said to have actually happened. There was a a discussion between. Um, William Hurst and, and uh, one of the journalists that went down to cover what was going on. Um, and, and basically the phrase that's repeated in the movie was supposedly said in real life, is you give me the pictures and I'll give you the war. In other words, make it look like um, something is going on down there that we need to respond to as a country. And, and that was the first time that um, fake news actually showed up on the scene. Back then it was actually called yellow news. But it was the same concept, you know? Um, and this is actually what ruined the career of Orson Welles was that, um, you know, he got a little bit cl- too close to the truth, right? Huh. So he, after after shooting Citizen Kane, um, he was kind of blackballed. Even though he continued to make films, he never had... Um, they, they put the leashes on that motherfucker is what they basically did. They didn't give him the freedom that he had in Citizen Kane, where he could do anything at that point. But um he pissed off the wrong guy. It was at this moment that
2: he knew he fucked up. The last name Snowden comes to mind. Weird. It's almost like this was a litmus test to see if it would, it would and how it would work carried on into the future and maybe even weaponized to <laughs> control... uh to control free or caged thought, however you'd want to, however you want to preface it.
1: We're on the verge of war right now, aren't we? Aren't we always? Well, I don't think it's quite like this. You know, even Snowden's actually starting to show up on YouTube again, and he's warning about this, this war and, and the narrative of it. Um, but, you know, it, it's whoever sets a camera frame. Is actually setting the perimeter around a reality.
2: Exactly. Look at MSNBC and look at Fox News. They're gonna say the, they're gonna cover the exact same story, but it's going to be spun. Mm. Tell me you've ever seen them document the same drama going on in the world, and it being prefaced the same. You can't because it doesn't happen. Because they want their views. MSNBC wants liberals. Fox wants conservatives. And at the end of the day, both liberals and conservatives at the highest levels are shaking hands and counting pennies together. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, dude. There, a lot of times the the agenda isn't really different. It's the it's the the talking points that we're supposed to argue about. Mind
0: if I talk to you
2: for a few minutes? No, I haven't anything else to do. You it's know? a divide and conquer narrative what it completely is if we ever came together think about how many of the one percent there are well well fuck spoilers there's one percent let's see if we all got we're all hungry we all want justice but we all have different ideas on how we have to get it and what's right and what's wrong because our ego and bias keeps us separated
1: there we go with the ego and bias again. Well, I think sometimes we're playing out the agenda of other people. You know, and you go back to- Sometimes. Uh, some, yes, yeah, sometimes. But you go back to this uh, William Randolph Hearst, right? Um, they said that the Spanish-American War is often referred to as the first media war. Um, it was during the 1980s. Uh, journalism sensationalized- sometimes even manufactured the dramatic events that were happening with such a powerful force that it helped propel the United States into war with Spain. So, you know, and that was over a hundred years ago. I think they've perfected it, you know? Like the illusions now seem real, but it, it's still, right? What's going on in Israel, you and I, we can't touch that. We can't experience that. We're just seeing it through, television.
2: Well, I suppose you could. You could. Did you enjoy God's latest gift? What? God's gift.
1: The violence. God loves violence. I
2: hadn't noticed. Sure <laughs> you have. But how many people would actually want to or would? That's the beauty of social media and social engineering. We can watch it unfold and have it spun to how we feel whenever we want. We just click on a certain fucking channel. Well, this is my point is, is we're, um, we're observing a reality.
1: We're not living. And yet the, the, the observation of that reality begins to shape our reality.
2: And it's not even personally, I don't even think it's that far from home. At the end of the day, all we are is energy and stardust flying through the atmosphere, flying through space at hundreds of thousands of miles per hour. So, what is reality at the end of the day? If you want to get re- wax really poetic about it, and if God sneezes, we're all fucked. <laughs> I'm about to tickle his fucking nose, man. I tell you.
1: <laughs> you know, but see, okay. The, the illusions is, is what I'm kind of concerned with. Like the whole idea of seeing is believing, right? Like, um, but we're in, we're in a place that people doubt what they see. People doubt what they hear. As they should in my eyes. Right? And, and it really comes back to what can you actually experience and touch and know is real. Like that movie Matrix, like it brought up the question of what is real. You know, and I've actually mentioned this on the podcast before with Anthony, but I don't know if you know this. That film was actually uh, a creation that came from a philosophy argument. Really? Yes. It was all based in, um there was the skeptics, which was a, a, a group of philosophers that doubted everything. The skeptics said- I can relate. How how do we know that any of this is real? How do we know that the, the experiences that we're having isn't just a dream that we're having? How do we know it's just not in the mind of God? How do we know it's really happening at all? So they doubted everything, right? They were the skeptics. They were skeptical of everything. Well, there was a guy that actually gave an answer. His name was Rene Descartes. And what he actually said is, I think, therefore I am. So his basic explanation for what reality was is because I'm having thoughts that is real. Even if everything that is evidenced in front of me is false, I by a thinking being must be real.
2: Right? Uh, Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be I can see that logic. I mean, that kind of goes to my philosophy of the only thing that's real is this human experience. And if it's real to you, it's real in your journey. When the lights go out and we cross over or shit just goes black, maybe we'll know the answer then. Fuck, probably not even then. But like the counterpoint to that would be look at artificial intelligence. All you got to do is just download a bunch of data make it be able to do certain algorithms and it's off to the races thinking and acting on its own, not without flaws, but you know, many times you've seen me stare off into space and you just see nothing going on behind these eyes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's just probably my data being lagged or a little bit of latency in the brain. And and this is kind of my point, dude. When, when the first
1: iPhone showed up on the scene was 2007, not that long ago. And think about the effects that it's had on um, social interaction with young people today.
2: You and, know what I mean. And think about when Bob Lazar started really talking about the reverse engineering of technology that might have been off Earth. Mm. I, I'm, not, I'm unaware of what you're talking about. I'm we, I'm lost. Well, we can get into that in a different episode. I'll I'll go down the rabbit hole. Oh, on I'm that curious. One at some point. I'm curious. You've well, tickled
1: my balls. Now I'm kind of getting
2: excited. Uh, you know I'm not. And I'm not one to leave you half cocked. So here we go. So Bob Lazar is uh, probably one of the most famous or infamous uh, UFO uh, whistleblowers. He allegedly worked at Site Four. Uh, it's a subdivision of Area Fifty One, and he talked about working on anti gravity technology back in the day. Okay. Uh, his stories coincide with the Roswell crash, all of that about non-human entities being brought in. And the biggest thing that really got me for some reason, this stuck out. And he always talked about. They would bring out these small spheres that were about the size of a basketball and they would have their own gravitational field around them. And they'd bring them out. They'd bring in the smartest scientists they could kidnap or whatever the fuck they did. Give them a little while. And if they drew dead, they'd put them away and bring them back out in 10 years Mm -hmm. to see if where they're at as a civilization can figure it out. Allegedly, it was a couple years back. I can't fucking remember how many that. They started figuring this out, and the military or a subdivision of the military with that black budget that is fucking huge, and that's not a secret, started reverse engineering these things. If you look at the COVID omnibus package that came out with COVID, it was the omnibus package, one of those midnight bills they put through, and what they tacked on the end of it is they decided that they should declassify, just underclassify, under, under top secret, a bunch of UAP disclosure, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Mm. There was a fucking suit that came out and talked about how the U.S. government is and has been working with, quote, off-earth technology. So my whole hypothesis, some of the shit that I've seen that I'm pretty sure wasn't drug-induced hallucinations, about 90% sure in the sky could not be explained, not even with hypersonic jets or anything of this world. The speeds would legitimately atomize a human being. And now all of this shit's going on and all these things we're seeing. I've said for the longest time that those are our boys up there fucking with things that they found. Mm. And why do you think all of this UAP disclosure is coming out? What could bring the world under one government, one power, one source of currency, other than a threat from outside this world.
1: You know what's funny is, so you know I've, I've written some, some scripts and things like that. I, that's why I got interested in making films and all of that. That was a screenplay that I thought of 20 fucking years ago, dude, is that story. That same story, you know, um funny i uh i tried to write back then um i had written uh, a short script for a film uh because my friends were going to film school right and um i didn't really know what i was doing was when i was writing that stuff and i actually kind of got into that story um that that we're talking about now but i just wasn't a very good writer and i kind of abandoned it And um, today, I actually um, wish I had really written it. You know, I wish that that's something that I'd put down because it seems to be unfolding, you know. Um, Lately, they've been talking about how there is, uh, you know, alien life and all this and that, and the governments have revealed that.
2: But you hear anybody talking about it like on the streets? Nope. Exactly. Because the way that they release this information, they make it. To where nobody gives a shit. And this is my point. We can't reach out and touch this stuff. It's not real. Anytime you see a school shooting, some kind of horrible tragedy, an earthquake, a fire in Hawaii, that night, go on the government websites and see what bills they passed that night night oh yeah you know that this, is not conspiracy that is 100% factual
1: this is something that anthony or uh a man and i talked about <laughs> on the podcast at one point in time um and and this is a form of censorship right um but we're getting into you know a whole new other reality these days you know and bring it back to the cell phone thing and social media and the effects it's had on kids right? They're living in realities that, that I did not grow up with.
2: Absolutely Um, not. Every kid that I come across is going bat shit, like punch your dad in the butthole crazy. (laughs) If you take that iPhone away from his face for 3.5 seconds, I just dealt with three of those fucking ankle biters before I got over here for somehow I didn't end up catching a felony by punting one of them like a football So I'm proud of myself today for that, but the scarier thing even for me is as soon as they're able to walk, their fucking parents buy them augmented reality software. This virtual reality shit. I guess I'm showing my age. I'm turning into my parents that Super Mario Brothers is the devil. And you were going to live a life of sin if you play these games. Well, fuck. They were right in retrospect. Dude, you're going to become that old man. I already fucking am. You're not old. Uh, But you're going to be that dude. And uh, I I don't. How dare you? (laughs) How dare you uh, misage me? I identify as a 75-year-old Chinese man, all right? I'm Stoic. I'm quiet. And
1: are you having an identity crisis? Oh, fully, brother. <laughs> okay, but you brought up a great point. So here's the statistic on that shit: nine hours a day is what the average teenager spends on their phone. Nine hours. That's a third of our life, pretty much, in a in a twenty four hour fucking day, right? It's a little bit. A little bit beyond, actually. And if you think about the time that we spend sleeping, it's half of our fucking waking life, at least. That's an incredible amount of fucking time for being on a screen, living in a world that you can't reach out and touch.
2: Those numbers should sound very shocking to me, but... uh I knew a guy that did a lot of crystal meth and I think he could beat those numbers just on Pornhub alone in 24 hours, but crystal meth is bad. Pornhub is good in moderation. I mean, do you live life, but it is kind of terrifying. Go out and touch fucking grass Like, go and get rejected by a female. Just live a little.
1: Well, this is, this is, you know, kind of brings me back to that touch idea, right? Like, um, how many people are like, engaging in pornography on their phones, right? How many kids? Um, we talked last episode, uh, about how many young people aren't getting laid, right? Like one in three
2: boys, 18 to 24 has never had sex Oh, for all different reasons than what I probably went through as well. God bless those kids. Well, I think
1: some of it's that social anxiety, you know, um, Social anxiety is growing exponentially among young people today, right? And it, it's been since this, you know, uh, cell phone showed up.
2: Yeah, because, yeah, think about it. You, got, you can be a keyboard warrior. You can say shit to people across the screen that you would never dare to say to their face. You can spit that game without a girl looking you in the eyes and telling you to go eat shit and die. You can just block them. And if those engagements feel, quote unquote, safe across a screen, you can create whatever persona you want. And now it's taken a step further where you can create avatars and you can be in virtual reality mm. and you can escape from yourself even more. And the next step is like we talked about in the last one. I guess it brings back touch, but it isn't fucking real. It's going to be a weird synthetic fuck skin all over your body <laughs> that people can play a keyboard on and either bruise your jaw or fucking jack your dick off
1: get the old after school special
2: I, and to be fucking frank if i had that for after school back in the day i probably wouldn't leave the house either i'd probably become one of those fucking ins.
1: no i'm talking about playing lone ranger you know fondling the
2: flesh flute you're talking about beating your dick off and i'm fully aware of that badgering the witness what you badgering the witness that's the, that's the good one just feeding the geese
1: <laughs> oh and for the ladies shucking the shaven oyster ah uh, playing dj paddling the pink canoe mm. okay i think we've <laughs> devolved into something On the verge of um, mania.
2: If we don't touch on masturbation at least four times a podcast, like, are we even having fun? Uh, You got to touch on it sometimes, right? right? Sometimes. I like to tap my own potential. Hey, I've (laughs) I've got nothing. (laughs) Dick jokes are funny. Oh, Jesus. Yes, they are. But,
1: you know, getting back to the effects of social anxiety, right? Like, I think a direct result of cell phone addiction is isolation, You know, not just the the physical isolation that we have from each other, but from social settings. You know, Um, but yet through the screen we can bully, right? Exactly. Um, We can. I mean, I think low self esteem is getting lower than ever. To be honest with you, that the truth. And I think there's this um, hypersensitivity to how we're perceived. You know, have you been around a lot of young people that deal with social anxiety?
2: Uh, Quite a few, yes. And the biggest thing I've noticed today is I am not trying to target any subsect. I am 100% an ally in damn near everything that makes your life happy and does not hurt the others around you. But the biggest problem I see that is directly related is the people that I feel and only I feel might suffer from the things that we talked about, come out and demand to be seen a certain way. They are not comfortable with being seen as themselves. Mm. If you want to identify as a 1989 Ford Pinto, fuck yes. Make your noises. And when you get hit from the back, fucking explode. Like God bless you. And I mean that, (laughs) but if you demand I call you a 1989 Ford Pinto and I forget and I call you an 87 and I admire your red trim and you say fuck you it's green I don't think we can be friends and it upsets me because why can't you just get some nice body panels you know give yourself a nice coat of fucking like cherry paint just go down the road making your car noises and loving your fucking life and say Fuck you to whoever doesn't. See, I, I there's think, a weird fucking roundabout analogy, but there's my whole philosophy on life right there.
1: I think we get the message in films that you can be anything you want to be, right? And I think that uh, the technology is allowing us to detach a little bit from our own identities in some ways, hmm. and from reality. Um, you know, it, it's not that it's not that I don't have some sympathy for people that um, are going through some identity. Issues. But here's the thing. Um, Identity is a personal issue. Right. I don't need the whole world to understand how I identify, because guess what? The world is too big. There's what, 8 billion people in the world. Everybody is not going to get me.
2: Yeah, I barely get me. (laughs) I'm getting social anxiety just thinking about that many people understanding me that well. That's fucking horrifying. That means I'd be going to the store, buying some eggs and whatever the fuck I buy at stores, and everybody would know exactly who and what I was. That's terrifying. Like, just be yourself and be cordial. Be a part of the human fucking race. Hmm. I don't know. It's getting harder and harder. And don't get me wrong. I'm no paragon of normal fucking human society by any stretch of the imagination. But there is a freedom with just being yourself. And I think it comes with, it might come with age. I've seen some younger people really have a strong grasp on this. And for anybody that doesn't just try and learn who the fuck you are and unlearn what society wants or you think society wants you to be. And that freedom of just being cool in the skin you're in is, i say that's a bigger flex than any fucking boats or hose you could ever fucking get. I mean, you get the boats and hose after you do that. Trust me. Don't <laughs> trust me. Never trust me. But that's my philosophy. Honestly, just, just get comfy in the skin you're in and the rest will work itself out. Or it won't. You might go outside and get hit by a fucking bus. Like at least you'll die yourself.
1: You know, and I think that's part of the brand of this show. It's something I've brought up many times. Uh, In fact, I bring it up every time in the intro is imperfectly human. You know, I think that with, with social media and all that today, we want to frame ourselves as having this type of life and being this type of person. But a lot of times the, the, the avatar that we're framing on social media isn't really who we actually are. You know, we're just showing all the fucking good, nice bits, right?
2: What is he doing?
1: He's beginning to believe. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a distortion of reality that's happening. And I think that sometimes we forget, you know, it's okay to fucking make mistakes. It's okay to say the wrong thing, put your foot in the mouth, right? This isn't perfectly human. This is
2: what, this is what being human is. I'm so used to that, you would think I had a foot fetish. But judging from that story that I told you and I might repeat over here someday, you know that is far from the truth, at least for today. Oh. Okay, so before you have a footgasm over there, no, um,
1: here's the thing. Okay, Stranger we're, danger. We're talking about illusion and we're talking about a, a reality, right? And, and the way things are framed on our screens, a world we can't touch— um, is framing this illusion as reality. Um, much of the time, like the job of our brain, like we mentioned a little while ago, it tells us a story about who we are in the world, right? Our brains decode the signals of reality, right? Um, but illusions derail the process of us mapping out reality. And, and if you think about the world that children are coming up in today, you know, they are watching the world through their phones. They are watching the world through a screen. And um, whoever's kind of holding the camera sometimes guides reality, just like that, that reporter back in the Spanish American War, right? That was the first war that was believed to be created by the media. I want to believe. But. But
2: you don't want to be bamboozled, you don't want to be let down to Primrose path. You don't want to be caught or duped. Have the wall pulled over your eyes. Hoodwinked. You don't want to be taken for a ride. Railroaded.
1: You know? Um, so I guess I guess what I'm saying is, uh, although the sensations of what we're seeing and, and experiencing seem to be real, um, I think we're all kind of delusional these days.
2: Yeah, because each and every one of us, you, me, anybody listening, and everybody that isn't, we are all addicts addicted to one thing mainly, and that is dopamine. Yeah. Kids get that from video games. Tweakers get that from slot machines. Slut machines? Slut. And... That's, I would. You say slut machines? Slot machines. (laughs) Sluts have slots. I was like, wait a minute. Both will take your money. Where do I get one of those? Uh, Hello there. Are you two heading for Las Vegas? Yeah. We're going to (laughs) score. Oh,
1: well, I hope to score big there myself. I'm mostly going to be doing the slots.
2: Yeah. I'm hoping to do some sluts, too. Yeah. Do they have a lot of sluts in Las Vegas? Oh. There's so many slots who won't know where to begin. Whoa. He put it. This
0: ticket's pretty cool. Uh
2: I think about nine miles south from here on highway gonna edit that out for uh <laughs> so we don't get doxxed. Or but the biggest thing is, yeah, everybody is everybody is dopamine addicts. Everything in this world that is being fed to us. Is to release dopamine. Movies have crazy booms and flashing lights and jump scares. What does jump scares do? Like in horror movies that I just went and saw. Skip the new, the new Exorcist. Yeah, that's it sucks. (laughs) There's Yeah, but the biggest thing is you get a jump scare. Ooh, scary. eye. Ah, you get that tingling, that little bit of adrenaline, and then a dopamine release. You go and play slot machines, typically if you're on crystal meth, and you watch all of those numbers rotate upwards. Upwards makes your eyes go up. Where do your eyes go when you get that beautiful fucking other release from your body? from your your genitals. Uh you, your eyes roll back in your head. Up releases dopamine. Watch all the things that make your eyes go up. Going your eyes going down typically don't release that. And then you got video games for kids. Oh, you beat this level. Happy fucking music. All of it. Even is even to-
1: the apps that we have on our phones like release that dopamine. Like everything uh, the people that are designing these things, they know exactly how to get us.
2: Why do you think all of... All of these motherfucking ads that are being put in everything I try to watch on YouTube, watch when they get put in there right after a crescendo or a big hype part so they catch you on a dopamine high so you can spend your money. It's all programmed. Nothing is coincidence in this world. And, you know, at the end of the day, I got to respect the hustle because they have the psychology of the brain mapped out, which is absolutely horrifying. If people on the street level like YouTube can do this to you, what do you think the people pulling the strings in this world are doing? And get us to vote. (laughs) You don't say by spinning reality one way or another. You've never seen a land. You've never seen a landslide victory in any election. Have you? It's never happened because it keeps people at the edge of their seat. If it was a complete landslide, even if it was a landslide, they would never tell you because then they'd be like, oh, fuck. Everybody realized this guy's a fucking jerk off and this guy's less of a jerk off. Nope, keep it right there. Keep it tense. Keep it tight and keep us fighting. Hmm.
1: You know, and I I think that you you mentioned the AI, right? Um we're we're about to be launched into a new era. Right? I don't know how much you keep up with how technology is changing. I have to do it for a living. Oh, well, that's bringing me back to reality. So do you know what artificial superintelligence is? I do. Okay. You want to break it down a little bit? No. Okay. Where AI reaches human levels of consciousness, right? Intelligence and capabilities. This is a, uh, a sub-trend of growth of AI. It's where a hyper-connected world will be us entering a term that they call an autonomous world. Right, It'll be a kind of a self-governing world is what, what I'm getting at. And mm-hmm. this is where, well, right now we're in 5G. This is where 6G kind of is going to come in. So this is what they say. By, by 2035, we will have the advent of a new computing science, like neuromorphic computing, DNA computing, and quantum computing entering our world.
2: And that last one is the most terrifying, but go on. But it's going to challenge
1: uh, Moore's law, um, and, and accelerate everything from this general AI to this super AI. Um, do you know what Moore's law is? I actually don't. Okay. Moore's law is um, basically an exponential race to singularity. Mm. Um, to, to, to put it in more digestible terms, Moore's law states that the number of, of um, transistors on a microchip, it doubles every two years, right? So... Think about this, Um, if it doubles in two years, it gets smarter, right? And then that doubles and then that doubles, but it's gaining speed. It isn't just doubling every two years. Um, We can expect to see that the speed and uh, capability of computers to increase so fast that it's gonna reach this point of singularity where it's just, it's not improving anymore. It's just kind of awake.
2: I believe it's already there considering they've moved away from microchips and they started using mycelium like from mushrooms. Look at look at a mycelium, look at the neural pathways in the brain. Mm. Then compare neural pathways to the brain to pictures from the James Webb Telescope of galaxies. They all are indistinguishable. You know this we're is starting to be we're starting to self-realize that this is all A singularity, and all this is—it's just been preparing us for what's about to happen. This is probably
1: this is probably the perfect episode to say if you are listening to us and you're on LSD, you should stop. (laughs) You should just turn us the fuck off because this is the kind of shit that's gonna fuck with you. I think I'm a little nervous, and I'm completely straight and sober.
2: (laughs) No, I'm gonna go ahead and break the fourth wall now. Oh my! If goodness. you're on LSD, you're actually not on LSD. You've been in a coma for 35 years. <laughs> We've been trying to wake you up for for 35 years now. Please, please wake up. Talk about an illusion. <laughs> now imagine if you just pop your eyes just popped open and, uh, yeah, I freaked myself out. Fuck. But I guess this is all just a big simulation. Fuck it, and this is it. Have fun.
1: This is it. This is the simulation here. And this, (laughs) this is kind of what I'm getting at, right? Like, we no longer live in a world that we can reach out and touch.
2: Where's the proof that we're even human to anybody listening?
1: This is it. We can't. We we we're not in the reality that we can reach out and touch, and that's been reality for a long time. Yeah. Right. Most most human connection was face to face. Now it's not. Um, But in this age where we're living in the illusion or living out a delusion, um, it's misinformation. It's fake experts, logical fallacies, impossible expectations, cherry picking, conspiracy theories. Oh, uh, of course, and also listening to grandpa when he gets into the whiskey. Mm. Everything's detached from reality, you know? And and oh grandpa. And where is this reality? It's in kind of mental illness, right? Is it reality? was it
2: was pretty real when he brought me down to his basement and showed me his train sets. <laughs> but I'll save that for my counselor. Did you
1: have a um close family when you were young? I don't I don't know much about your family history.
2: I'm, I'm going to let the, I'm. Yeah. I'm going to let that joke die. Uh, yeah, I had, wait, what'd you say? I'd fucking zoned out okay. there. PTSD's a I'm, son I'm, of a bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I think I touched a nerve. Um, grandpa touched more. <laughs> I'm trying to get to the reality that you lived in when you were a kid. Was it like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Right. Um, I grew up in, um, uh, an alcoholic home, right. Mm-hmm. Severe. Uh, You know, I I told this story one time, but um, my mother's second husband, um, he snorted a bunch of cocaine, took all his clothes off for three days, wandered around our house with a gun naked, Mm. right? He was detached from reality. Right. The reality within the walls of my home was different than some of the friends that I went to school with, right? My reality, I didn't want people to know about. I wanted to keep that shit
2: goddamn quiet and detached from their reality. See, yeah, mine is actually a little bit of a flip on that. Uh, I was born to a cocaine slanging father and a mother that had no idea what was going on. She was mm. the perfect little goody-goody that smoked pot once and said it was fucking horrible. And dad was the slick-talking son of a bitch that could paint a real pretty picture. And hide a skeletons, at least well enough for my beautifully sweet, naive mother to not notice, but allegedly he kicked that shit pretty early in my life. Let's just say my, at two, I had to, or my family moved very abruptly from the state that I was born in and kind of hit out in the state that I currently reside in, in a log cabin on an island for a while with my uncle who had a Interesting chemistry set in his basement in retrospect. uh, We were always told that a witch lived down there and everybody (laughs) knew I was scared of witches back then. So I stayed the fuck out. And except that one time I didn't. It was a chemistry set, but I digress. No, actually the best part is all of that shit was erased from my life by the time I went into kindergarten and really from earliest recollection, we never had much, but we had each other. Dad wasn't a complete pile of shit. Mom was pretty sweet. And they gave birth to a legitimate child genius. I had an IQ of 148, and I was incredibly gifted. And that made me incredibly grounded in reality. And I really do believe at that age, a little bit more ignorance would have been a lot more bliss. But it was a good childhood that I just could not identify with. So the second I could be with people older that I could identify with more, I was always hanging out with that. And everybody knows about hanging out with the older crowd. And then when I got stuck hanging out with people my age by about 12, 13, well, I may have started doing things so I could dumb myself down a little bit. And to fit in. Fit in in if i had something they wanted or i could do something they needed i could somehow try and create some something meaningful with them and that you know that gave me some troubles for a while so here's here's the thing right
1: like the 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 lifestyle that you had the lifestyle that i had it altered the way that we experienced the world very much so right um, you know, and drugs were a part of that kind of reality. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly.
2: Allegedly.
1: Okay. But this drug that we have in our hands today, these cell phones, we take everywhere. Those, oh, I thought
2: you were talking about the PCP I have here. <laughs>
1: those drugs, they stayed, you know, usually- Doctor's prescription, of course. You didn't carry it everywhere. You didn't bring it everywhere. This drug, this cell phone- right? It's shaping reality in a different kind of way. And we're all kind of like my reality from my house wasn't the same as my friends from school, right? But I spent so much time away from my house that I was in their reality a lot. Am I losing you? Not at all. Okay. So, but today we, we can live in these little bubbles that are inside of our phones, right? Like you mentioned the identity crisis that some people are having these days.
2: I went through a serious one a couple years back because of just that, funny enough. If
1: you can create your own version of reality through your cell phone, you know, and then you get out into the world and you start to come into contact with people that aren't living in your world, it's fucking chaos, bro.
2: I, without disclosing too much, once upon a time, I was in a certain... Industry where I became relatively well known. Did you do I porn. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't. That's not what I'm talking about right now. It's as honest oh, as this I'm is honestly. Oh, this is a different,
1: get. different industry. Okay,
2: go ahead. I will not confirm or deny. We'll save that for a different. <sighs> Dirty B fucking tea. I can never drink tea again, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, no, this is a, a slightly less dirtbag bag industry. Uh, and I always wanted deep down to be, you know, I got a little bit of popularity with some people. I was funny. I hit, you know, that mask of humor, but then Everybody wants to be a rock star. Everybody wants to go somewhere and be the one people talk to. And in this industry, I got to a point where I could go to large international meetups where there would be a decent amount of people that knew who I was and wanted some of my time or some of my expertise and at first it was amazing it was everything i wanted and i was able to piggyback my my career off of it mm. but in doing so i got this notion where i could never be genuine i had to be the persona that i was online to all of these people so i always had to be jovial always had to be happy always had to be goofy and don't get me wrong those are core tenants of who the fuck i am but I became a caricature of myself and I lost all my identity. And I went from at one point, you know, laughing, joking, throwing a big party at one of my places of employment to going home and dry clicking a certain thing in my mouth. Mm. And that shit is horrifying. And at that point I realized shaved head. Brittany is Britney Spears is probably the most relatable fucking superstar that I have ever, Ever, ever seen. But I digress. You know, and I, I
1: think that what you kind of described there is, you know, what I kind of wanted to talk about in this
2: episode is actually losing touch. Well, I lost touch with, I lost the plot completely on this episode a few times, so I'm glad I could bring <laughs> it back slightly.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about illusion. We're talking about delusion. We're talking about the mental illness that gets created through technology. Um and and through the worlds that we're, we're living in that isn't in reality. Um, you know, what? this is something I like to point out. There's a difference between an illusion and a delusion. Do you do you know what the difference between an illusion and a delusion is? Oh, fuck.
2: It's almost like I knew this a couple days ago and then forgot it because somebody was talking about it. Ah. Huh, I know. I think the guy was an asshole, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe you could repeat it.
1: Well, I like to point out the difference. So an illusion is something that appears real that isn't. Think about like watching a movie, right? Um, A delusion is where you're actively living something as if it is real, but it isn't. And that's a form of insanity, Mm. Right. Um, we we you mentioned meth earlier, right? Imagine if you are a person that lives with meth in your life, as if you could actually function and live with meth in your life, right? That's that's delusional.
2: I feel I could do that.
1: <laughs> Maybe you're
2: delusional. No, no, I am definitely not, and neither am I.
1: That's schizophrenia, right? Who are you talking to? You're right losing now? touch, man. Losing touch. But my question
2: is this: Is what's the cure? More crystal meth? <laughs> no, I don't
1: think so. I think that's not the cure. I think. Do you smell toast? I smell toast. I think that's very far away from the cure. You know, I, th- I think part of it is actually connecting with people. I think that it's. Connecting with nature. Um, Here is something that I actually believe. The farther we get from nature, the more unnatural we become. I think we have to take the time to actually spend time engaged with people face to face. I think we have to stop having sex on our phones, right? And actually have real fucking sex. With your phone? Well, that would be hard to do. I have a very small phone and I don't think it has a big enough hole. But... (laughs) but seriously just spit on it man (laughs) the the experience of of physical reality and 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 touch i think that is kind of the cure i think we got to get back to some simplicity but i don't think people are willing yeah missionary gets boring after a while well i i think that people have this fear of setting down their phones and you know i think we need to close out this episode but you know, if, if, you, if you take my age group, the way that technology showed up for me was- uh, the, the ham radio, correct? No, it was, I mean, okay, there, was, there was the radio and, and yeah. television and all that, but, but technology in the terms of what we have today, computers, right? Right. The first computers that my generation experienced was like space invaders, Miss mm. this, this Pac-Man, Atari, shit like that. Atari
2: 2600, baby. Oh, yeah.
1: Games. Games, right? And now our cell phones, um, it can do everything, right? It can give us the news. It can give us pornography. It can give us entertainment. It can give us philosophy. It can right? give
2: us anxiety. It can give us anger. It can give us dopamine. It gives us everything.
1: So it's—it is—it it is probably the item in this world that I touch more than any other item in this world besides my own body.
2: And back, I spend a lot of time around you, man. You really touch. T- no, that was rhetorical. I don't even want to know.
1: Back to beating my shit like it owes me money.
2: <laughs> and that's my cue to get the fuck out of this house.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't know if we figured anything out. um I do think that
2: if you're listening to this podcast, that's probably not why you should be here.
1: I think that I think that one of the realities is is technology and and social media has changed the way we think and the way we experience life and each other. And I think that we need to unplug and connect. Go out, hug a motherfucker, touch some grass. <laughs> Ooh. So, you got any closing thoughts before we get out of this motherfucker?
2: Unplug. Go outside. Hug a motherfucker and touch some grass second verse same as the first
1: jesus dude that sounds like an echo all right this is curious g and i got my man over here
2: dirty b or just Brett. is this a good echo i'm pretty much deep throating the mic right now and with that i'm out (laughs) truth of power podcast tune in
0: I don't
1: know if I know you much. Touch, touch. I don't know if I know you that much. Touch, touch. I don't know if I know you much. Touch, touch. I don't know if I know you that much. Touch me, baby. Feel me beneath. This prison of skin and perfect need New love comes, old love goes Whose touch is this that feels my soul? Touch, crush, feel whole Through touch we undress our soul Touch, crush, feel whole Teeter over edges whole
0: Touch, man What do you think about that track? I like it, man I I really do like it Um... I love the production on it as usual. I feel like I'm like a <laughs> repeating broken record at this point because I love all our productions, but it's it's a good record. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a it, really solid it, record. It,
1: it it's funny. I don't know if you remember the process of making this song. Do you remember the process?
0: Oh man. This one I actually weirdly don't. I usually have a good memory on this. I don't remember like so when it did was, we make this. It was a little bit it was a little bit about a year ago.
1: And I don't okay. know if you remember, I had started to date uh, this chick, Lisa. I do. But sure I knew knows. two okay. Lisas. One of the Lisas came on this show one time and she te- I thought she was texting me, but it was the other Lisa that I just became friends with. And she <laughs> asked me if I wanted to go to dinner sometime and I thought it was my friend Lisa. And I was like, yeah, sure. Ends up being this other girl that was kind of into me. <laughs> I didn't did you, really
0: did you figure that out before you appeared for dinner or did no, no 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 I did figure it
1: dinner? out be like <laughs> like we were texting back and forth and I kind of pieced it together at some point but I had already agreed to go out to dinner and dude to be honest with you I really dug this chick and um yeah. she was uh she was real warm and and all that kind of stuff and she was very touchy right. very touchy um and I still like her she's still a friend of mine but um mm-hmm. you know we we ended up not working out. She's big time into Christianity and I am me,
0: (laughs) but yeah,
1: I I went on a date with her and I went on a couple of dates with her. Um, but she kind of moved me a little bit, you know, and it was, it was because she was very touchy feely. And I, I realized during that date that that was different for me. Right. I had always had, I guess, relationships with, with women that didn't really touch a lot. And, um, my mother was like that. My grandmother was like that. So it was kind of what I was used to. And I wrote this I, song like after that one of our dates,
0: and um, I, I ended I up recording you it. Kinda, What's I remember that? you bringing that up last episode about your mother and grandma. Kind of you, you were, you're were raised around and dated and been even married to women that aren't very touchy feely. But I don't think you ever like. <clears throat> kind of explained like what is the level of touch like did she just like to hold hands everywhere like when you guys were out at the theater yeah uh held hands put her
1: arm on me caressed my hair okay. you know i mean just just stuff you know stuff was, you're
0: not you never think about but you're not used to it right with other other women
1: kind yeah of she was just making physical ne- connections in yeah. very warm ways and um to be honest with you like I realized, you know, some of the relationships I had, the women were very, very sexual, but they weren't very warm in other ways. And hmm. it kind of, after that date, I kind of realized what I'd wanted, you know, in a relationship is, is I like that warm um, connection through physical touch. And it's so important, right? Yeah. Um, but I wrote this song uh, after a day with her. And if you, if you actually go through the song, it's very uncomfortable in places, you know? Um, give
0: me, give me some examples on that. Well,
1: just, top. just even the way it starts out, you right. Like it, it the, the first verse, after it gets through the, um, after it gets through the little quick hook, touch needles, pins, needles, right? Like that's kind of uncomfortable, right? Pins and needles. Right. Right. Um, but then you go down a little ways, right? And it, it talks about is, um, can I lose myself in the play? of sex of mine, which is more than frame, this picture-perfect, subtle game, butterfly-pinned death display,
0: right? You know what's crazy, Sean? When I first had you spit this to me or whatever, because you're like a confident guy, and it doesn't really, uh, like, interacting with women doesn't bother you at all. Am I right? No. Not at all. No? No, I... when When you said, like, the touch, pins, and needles, I remember, and then the first verse, it almost was like, I interpreted it at first, I was like, is this guy... Like, is this a story about someone almost having not like an anxiety attack uh, while he's on this date or whatever? Like, it was almost like, like you were explaining to someone who didn't want to be touched almost, you know what I mean? Like it, it kind of, when I first read, it, I was like, like, like the guy is like freezing up pins and needles to your touch or whatever. I, I, I remember thinking, I was like, is this about like a dude that can't get the chick? But then I listened more as I mixed it and listened to it hundreds of times. I was like, "Oh yeah, no, this is some gangster shit. Never mind."
1: <laughs> no, dude, you get you get down to the um, second verse, kind of like towards the end. I'm talking mm. about um, through desire's skin. I'm jumping in and out of cars, bars, and scars of who I am when I feel so far touched by strangers' hands, hard, overstimulated, simulated voodoo doll. Emulate mm. touch above them all. You know, it's 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 not that I don't get to have those relationships right it's just there's uh there's an emptiness you know when when you when you're touching somebody and you can't necessarily feel a deeper connection it's just like that um
0: it's cold it's like a it's cold there's yeah nothing, it's nothing that's there. that, there's no electricity you know
1: that's that butterfly pin death display under glass mm-hmm. under sway you know it's it, you you can feel the warmth of, of somebody's body, but you're not getting that deeper connection in a way. And I think that comes through touch. So that's kind of the song, you know?
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um, do you remember, how do we go about making this beat? Because this is one, you, you had the idea, you went home and wrote, wrote a good song. How do we... I literally have no recollection of like <laughs> making this one. Okay. So I'm, like, I'm drawing a blank after, on this after one. After that
1: date, what I did is I recorded it, just like I'm recording on, on my computer now for the podcast. Right. Right? right. I recorded me hitting the lyrics on a beat. Mm-hmm. You know, because like not only did I write the lyrics like really quickly um mm-hmm. that night after the date, but I knew how the the lyrics would pop off. I just didn't know what the music was gonna be like. So, like, I just kind of did like a slam poetry version of this song, and then I sent it to you and and wanted to see what you'd come up
0: with, you know? Was this one that I made um, on my own accord? We didn't make this one over the phone or anything together? We probably did work together.
1: I I honestly Ah, don't remember, but I know that Ah. you kind of came up with the style of this one. I, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I think that I said what I wanted was some bass with a little space in it. You know what I mean? Like I wanted the bass to kind of drive things. I um, can see that. I can and see that. and it was that way, you know? And yeah. it's because it touches you at a deep level. Yeah. You know?
0: It's crazy that uh, for the first time in this show's history, I ha- I don't have much of a recollection of making. I know we made the song. I know... It's a good song, but like usually I'm like, oh, we made this on this point, that point, right there, and we kind of worked on it together. But this one, I'm like, w- w- was were we like, was this when we were making a song or two every week? Like it's like,
1: dude, we were making, we were we are like averaging blur. a song every five days, to be honest. Yeah, with that's dude. what I'm saying. This was that yeah. time period, and wow. and this was this was when we were about f- almost forty tracks in, right? So. <laughs> it started to
0: probably get a little confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Where would you rank touch um, on your favorite songs we've ever worked on? Like, what does this one mean to you?
1: Honestly, it it wouldn't have ranked very high for me um, because I wasn't really really satisfied with the way that I hit the mic on this one. Um, I I felt like it came across a, a little bit empty on the mic and i think part of that was after i wrote the lyrics and we came up with the song i was getting ready to go into the studio uh me and lisa kind of stopped seeing each other and i kind of took it hard because i really dug that girl you know and um it was the first time that i had actually felt something for somebody um since my wife you know and i had been on some dates and seen some people but um there was just something about her that i really liked and um it kind of threw me off in the studio a little bit, but you know, in retrospect, I actually think it's an excellent song, and I think that the tone of the way that I hit the lyrics, having that little bit of emptiness, is a poetic yeah. reflection of what the song is saying. It, um, it
0: fits well. It throws like the 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 non-force melancholic, like you said, emptiness to it that fits actually the beat and the. Lyrics very well. I thought, I never actually, I always thought your delivery was perfect on it because it was smooth, but like empty is a way, is a good way to put it actually in retrospect. You know what I mean? Because there's no, there's no like aggressiveness to it or whatever. It's just kind of like you're, it's like you're hankering for touch. I can't explain it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think part of this song is a little bit about deception. You know, I think sometimes we get into um, relationships and they become transactional. Like if, if if you remember maybe episode five, we talked about transactional relationships. Um, yes. I, I think you can be, you know, really connected to somebody, but over time you get busy, you're going to work and sometimes it, you end up in a transactional relationship and sometimes the sex is, is all you have. You know, I know right. when Lynn and I were together, there was a time that- she was working nights, I was working days. We didn't see each other very much as a married couple. And it seemed like we were making like like sex appointments. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> is this good for you on Thursday or whatever we did, you know what I mean? Thursday at 3.30, yeah. Yeah, and there's, a, there's an emptiness in that. And I don't think it's necessarily always because you don't care for the person in the relationship. And I don't think it's always because you didn't have something real. But I think if people don't stay connected, um, that that can happen. And, and then, you know, if you think about touch deprivation, which was the topic last week, um, the effects that it has on a relationship or the psychology Mm -hmm. of a person, um, Mm -hmm. you know, some, something atrophies inside of us.
0: One more question I wanted to ask you about this record that I I've actually never asked you this before but you know when you got to sequencing the the album that this was on the devil's breath and hell or whatever yeah i always wondered why you sandwiched touch between bullet and glitch was that <laughs> was that a on purpose thing or was that like You just kind of threw threw the tracks because you knew this five was on this one and this five's on the the B side.
1: Well, you know, sometimes I arrange stuff because of theme, like I have a purpose in that. And then other times it's Mm -hmm. more about the feeling. And for this album, because of the way we release these albums, you know, I Mm -hmm. I didn't want to release uh, all 10 tracks on an album for um, Devil's Breath together because it's like you're going to be in hell for too long on this podcast, right? Right. For um sure, for and sure. I wanted to break it up with five tracks in hell, five tracks in heaven, you know. So uh this is Devil's Breath inhale where we're going to have mm-hmm. a step away from that when we get into the heaven side of Ambrosia's Diner with that song uh that album sounds coming through the mask. And then we get back right. into hell with Devil's Breath <clears throat> exhale. But in in this album and that album, I wanted to kind of break up some of the intensity with with something a little smoother in the middle. So this was the uh, this was the smoother track in the middle because you know the other songs are a little bit on the intense side in a way.
0: Well, bullets really bullets very heavy and intense, and glitch is I wouldn't say yeah. Well, we already did that on the podcast. It is an intense and heavy song. Bullets really fucking heavy subject matter. But I was I always wondered. Like, when I play the album from the first track to the fifth, it flows well, but it's it's crazy going from bullet to touch and then glitch, but it worked, you know what I mean? I wonder if that was intentional or just freaking... Some of the artists I've worked with have just literally I'm coming off an album. They get ten songs and they just throw them in any order on Distro Kid. Like that's the <laughs> well, well, people it, don't sequence stuff like they it, once it, did. It is a know?
1: lighter it is a lighter feeling than than crush, bullet, glitch, and come correct, right? All those but are it's kind still of still
0: not a light song. The subject matter of touch isn't still. You know, yeah, I mean, it
1: isn't. Like, but when when the you, feeling of it, yeah. like the the approach is, on the yeah. mic, the the feeling yeah. of the music. Um, right. somebody might even listen to it and think it's along the lines of, you know that love loss of love type feeling but it's um you know it, it, it was there to break up the rest of the album what's what's yeah. funny is now that we're doing it on the podcast we're kind of doing this stuff out of order a little bit you know we we did yeah. glitch to kind of come out around Halloween right and um, right, right. and then this track here uh, but uh, we're gonna be bouncing back to to bullet Well that does it for our show this week. I am Curious G, and this is the Truth To Power podcast. This week, we are dropping a new song. This song I is called Bullet. Enjoy. I'm your huckleberry. don't think you can fight a war without bullets. Put away second thought. That would be perfect. Could we just attack with colorful language? Holy shit, that would be a switch. Would ideas still get strangled? Oh, if a woman chimes in, can we label her a bitch? Hold up, I might want to table this Talk too long, might catch a fist Perhaps for my own wife, we're talking shit Opinions have given to those that can't bite my dick Can I get this point across without violence? Now anyone who makes a point against the grain get in silenced Why do all my topics incite opposition? I wonder. Okay, lightning struck, bruh. Here comes the thunder. Four times the deaths among these vets by their own hands. Hear me! Four times the deaths among these vets by their own hands. Hear me! Four times the deaths among these vets by their own. Hats. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Oh shit, here come the bullets. Okay, perhaps I've had a point, but I gotta ask, is it worth it? Goddamn right it is. The most dangerous of all of this are ideas that catch like straight fire. The most vicious trick is robbing one simple truth into a shit show circus of liars. they framed it? Have we been duped to pledge allegiance without grievance and never change it? The idea strikes me right, but then they stained it. Cause the man don't support the troops the way words like to paint it. 45,000 charities devoted to American veterans. Would they need that shit if tax dollars were really helping? For our troops, you first unk, goddamn Sam, this is fucking dumb. More have died by their own hands after they turned in their guns. Four times the deaths among these vets by their own hands. Hear me, yeah. Four times the deaths among these vets by their own hands. Hear me, me. Four times the deaths among these vets by their own hands. Hear me, yeah. Four times the deaths among these fets by their own hands hm, hear me yet? be a good soldier follow orders shell shot across your shoulders then march with balls big as boulders sound off to confirm they control us hold up huh. are they coming back cracked slightly cracked What's sleep feel like? Always on guard, quickly startled, always hard. Twist off another cap, shit, bra, any bottle. Pull out either, full throttle, pills or liquor? The only choice really is which kind is sicker. Do you want to be a vet these days? Ask one. But remember, son, that can of worms comes with a gun. Four times the deaths among these vets by their own hands. their own head.